Brianna Bryant, a PRSSA Regional Ambassador and member of the Industry News and Current Events Subcommittee, as well as a very excited soon to graduate public relations student at University of Alabama at Birmingham. And for today's podcast with the pros, I'm talking with Elise Mitchell, who is the founder and chairman of Mitchell Communications Group, the CEO of Dentsu Aegis PR Network, uh, and just an overall accomplished and inspiring author, entrepreneur, CEO, wife, mom, biker. Elise, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. And congratulations on your upcoming graduation. That is a great accomplishment, of course. Thank you so much. It, it can't come soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Um, so, Elise, we've got a lot of great questions to cover about you and your perspective on leadership. Um, and the entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, but first, let's just get started with an easy one. Tell us how you got your start in PR. Well, I remember sitting in your seat, being so anxious to graduate from college, and of course, having absolutely no clue where I was going to work, although I had been trying so hard to find a job. Just when I graduated, it was a tough time in the business, just uh, in the industry in the U.S., it was kind of a down market, and it was really tough to find a job in PR, but I was very determined that I was not going to sell copiers, that I wanted to be in the field of public relations, and I was fortunate enough that I was able to land a job at a PR agency in Nashville, Tennessee. And I had, I got my degree at Abilene Christian University in Abilene, Texas. So West Texas, I moved from there to Nashville and I started at a small firm as a publications editor. So I was writing newsletters and designing them and taking photographs for them. I was kind of doing the whole thing from start to finish, which was a crazy good job to have as the first job because it really honed my writing skills. And in some ways, I felt like I had a taste of what it was like to be a journalist, even though I never got into journalism per se professionally. But it was a great first job. And I was also fortunate enough because the agency I worked at was was young, but was growing very dramatically. And so after two years of being in that first job as a publications editor, I was able to work my way up into moving into client service, which was kind of my dream. Once I got into the agency business, I realized, wow, you know, I really want to work on accounts and I want to be in the broader space of PR, not just in the writing space. And I loved being in client service and agency life was um, fantastic. It was a great way to start my career in PR. I, uh, about two years after that, I actually ended up falling in love, getting married and moving to Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, there I had a couple of more interesting experiences. Again, the, the, the start in agency life really helped me because I was the, I ended up getting to be the PR director for a tourist attraction. I was the assistant PR director for a big ad agency in Memphis. And then I ended up being the, the VP of PR for another ad agency. So I, I had some kind of different experiences building off of the years strictly just in the PR agency industry. And then after that, the biggest move um, was that I, I switched seats in terms of agency life to move into corporate life. And I was the director of corporate communications for what was then a company called Promise Hotels, which most people today would recognize it as the hotel group of Embassy Suites, Hampton Inn, and Homewood Suites Hotels. They were all owned by a company called Promise Hotels. Now today, of course, it's all part of Hilton. That was a fantastic 
experience to be in corporate life. And then my husband and I, when we got married, um, we moved to Northwest Arkansas. And that was when I took the opportunity to start my own agency. So that kind of gives you a sense of the first couple of jobs that I had prior to, I would say, sort of my biggest stint, which was building my own firm. Great. It's very impressive. It sounds like you've um, built quite a career in each of the uh, different different facets of PR. So um, tell me, throughout your, excuse me, sorry, throughout your career, did you have any mentors that you looked up to, especially early on? Well, most definitely. The, the three firms that I worked for, so the two ad agencies and then the PR agency, both of the, or all three of those firms were entrepreneurial firms. They were founded by uh, the owners who then were running, actively running those firms as the leaders of the company. And in each of the three cases, the firms were were I would say maybe mid-size, uh, at least the, the, the PR firm grew to become mid-size. The two ad agencies were mid-size, but that is still small enough that you would have direct contact with everybody in the agency. And I was very fortunate because all three of the founders of those firms became mentors to me. And I remember all the time just sitting and listening to them and asking questions, talking to them, uh, emulating them, whatever I could do to try to learn from them. And I, I often now look back since I started my own firm and thought, wow, you know, I had a front row seat to entrepreneurship done the right way. And it really was inspiring for me to watch them, especially make the big decisions about business or about ethics or about clients or whatever it was. Those things are really hard. And they were all really terrific mentors to me and I learned so much from them. So I, I often give them quite a bit of credit for anything that I learned early on. Wow, that's so lucky um, to have that front row seat with uh, the big bosses. Um, it's always been my experience, no matter what team you're on, um, that you know the more collaborative, especially through the ranks you can be, just the better you, uh, you pr more productive you are overall. So mm -hmm. how lucky for you. Um, Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, were there any experiences that you can share from your career where you had a great challenge to, um, to overcome? Well, of course, there's so many. <laughs> you know, you, you, I look back now on my career and I think, wow, I cannot believe all of the great successes that I was um, able to be a part of, you know, always as a part of a team effort to enjoy any success. But, you know, so many of them were so hard you know, that you always think it's going to be easier than it is. It's just, uh, it, it's never as easy as you think it's going to be. But I, I think the biggest challenge there were many, 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 but the probably the biggest challenge was when I, so kind of picking up from that story after I was in corporate life and was really enjoying that experience. It was, um, a, again, a, a major corporation. I was all of 32 <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, we, they, we actually spun the two companies off from each other. There was a hotel group. There was also a casino brand that was in the, the group. It was Harris Casino. And we decided to spin, I mean, the, the 
senior management of the team decided to spin off the two companies from each other. So we actually, it was publicly held. So we went to Wall Street and spun the two companies off. And I remember standing, uh, you know, doing the whole bull and bear thing at Wall Street and standing with the CEO while he was ringing the bell at on Wall Street. And I thought to myself, this is as, as big as it's ever going to get for me. You know, what am I going to do from here? <laughs> and it's funny because um, right after that is when my husband and I moved to a very small market. And that was when I took the opportunity to start my business. But I remember being so uh, challenged by that because I'm a big city gal and I thought my career trajectory, you know, needs to go up from here. This is a great place to be, but I need to, to move on to Atlanta or Chicago or New York or, you know, just someplace really big in order to continue growing my career. And as luck would have it, my husband and I chose to move to a very small market. We moved to Fayetteville, Arkansas, which people today often refer to that area um, as Northwest Arkansas. And we chose to move there, which actually that's a funny story because my husband really wanted to go there and I really did not. <laughs> and because I had this dream, you know, to, to be in a big city and to continue building my career upwards. But I remember the day that I told my boss at Promise Hotels, I, when I told him that I was leaving and I said, I've got good news and bad news. The, the bad news first, which is that I'm moving away um, and I don't really want to, but this is where our life is taking us. So I'm moving away. The good news is that I've decided to start my own agency and I want you to be my first client. And I slid a proposal across the desk to him and he was, uh, you know, shocked that I was leaving, but I think intrigued by the offer. And do you know that he came back the very next day and he said, yes. And I remember thinking, oh no, now I got to figure out how to start an agency because <laughs> I didn't have any idea how to do that. But um, it was exciting because I knew that was a new challenge to to, to take on, but it, I didn't realize how hard it was going to be to do it from a small market. And that's a whole other set of um, stories about how we were able to actually build the company in a small market. But uh, long story short, it turned out very well because as it turns out Northwest Arkansas is home to a few companies you might've heard of. Walmart is there, Tyson Foods, J.B. Hunt, all three of those uh, corporations became our clients uh, fairly early on in the building of the agency. And we had tremendous growth over the next 15 years or so. It turned out very well. We grew um, grew rapidly. We won multiple awards, including Agency of the Year twice. We made the Inc. 505,000 list two years in a row. We just had a lot of really wonderful things that happened to us. But I often tell people what I learned from that, why it was such a great challenge to overcome, is because it wasn't what I had planned. I had planned to go to a big city and continue to build my career. Instead, we moved uh, to a small market. I felt, in all honesty, that I had been bumped off the fast track. So the lesson is that you have to go with the detours in life. And if you do, you'll find yourself in some pretty terrific destinations. And, and you never know that you might end up being a first mover, which I was in my case. I was the only PR person in the market um, who was not working already in-house. I was the first agency person to go into the market as a in PR. And so it, it became an opportunity that I had to learn to take advantage of, even though it wasn't the plan. It was a detour, but it uh, turned out to be something really great. Wow, that's so impressive that you just sort of jumped in with both feet. Um, and it sounds like your agency life and um, major corporate experience really served you well as you built um, 
built your business in Arkansas. Uh, you share a lot of these personal insights um, through some of your current publications. Um, you recently released a new book, which is Leading Through the Turn. Uh, you published your blog, In the Turn, and then also offer leadership trainings as well. Could you tell us more about those? Yes, yes, happy to do it. So uh, uh, my book, would thank you, is called Leading Through the Turn, and it is I, I, the best way to sum it up is to say it's the story of a leader's journey. So I, the first chapter, I open up and I tell the story of the night before my first real job stepping into leadership, which was at the hotel corporation when I was taking on the job as head of the Department of Corporate Communications. And I was so nervous that I was sick to my stomach all night. And I remember the beginning of that evening, I thought, oh, this is really great. I I had this big first day on the job tomorrow and I've got the stomach flu, the stomach bug. And then I thought, no, you need to be honest with yourself. At least you're scared to death. <laughs> That's why you're so sick. And I, it was just because I wasn't, I didn't think I was ready. You know, I didn't know what I didn't know. But what I learned about leadership is that you're never ready when you step in. It's all, it should always be a step up. And that that's part of the journey. And you have to be willing to go on that journey, no matter where it leads. And it, it, in a couple of weeks, while I was there, I thought, well, I'm really going to teach these people a thing or two. So it was it was a great experience. It was the that was the very first time I became a true leader. And from there, the book, I tell the story of how I built the agency. And so it's a bit of an entrepreneurial story as well. If anybody is interested in having their own business someday, they, they would find it interesting from an entrepreneurial point of view. But it's also really a leadership um, handbook, if you will, which in all honesty, I would have given my right arm to have had a book like this to tell me all the things that I needed to know when I was stepping into leadership. So the, I, what I, I share a lot of hard won lessons sort of in the trenches lessons and learnings for how to become a successful leader. And in my experience too, I have found that most people kind of back into leadership or they they sort of stumble into leadership there because they're technically good at what they do they're 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 a master craftsman if you think about it that way they're very good at what they do and so then boom they end up in charge of a team and then they look around and they think what in the world am i going to do now i don't nobody's ever prepared me to be a leader and so one of the things I do beyond the leadership book that the leading to the turn that I've written is, as you mentioned, I write a blog because what I realized is there were so many lessons that I didn't put into the book. There, there are back actually over 50 lessons in the book. So it's quite intensive in terms of just having a lot of application to being a leader, but there's so much more. And so I, I, I write a blog. I post about every two weeks to the blog. The blog is called In the Turn because I also ride a motorcycle. And uh, looking through the turn is a is a fundamental principle of motorcycling. And so I call the blog In the Turn. So there's a little bit of motorcycling uh, mixed in there and quite a bit of um, uh, imagery around motorcycling and some of the photography that I've taken on some of my trips. Um, the best thing to do for people who are interested either in the book or following on my blog, because I do have an email list. So you would get a notification if you were interested in that, uh, to get a post to my blog is to just go to my website. I, my website is Elise Mitchell.com. So it's E L I S E M I T C H E L L.com. And everything on the book, everything on the blog, 
and trainings too are all there so people can find out more there. Awesome. Uh, so I know you've already kind of mentioned this uh, when you brought up your motorcycle, but I really like that you're an advocate for finding work-life balance. Um, and you talk a lot about how integrating personal interests in your daily work um, life can help. Tell us more. Well, you know, that's funny too, because I wasn't always very good at this, <laughs> to be honest. And when I was building the agency, so just to give you some context about why I am a work-life advocate is when I was building the agency, it was very consuming. The entrepreneurial life and really even beyond entrepreneurial life, being a leader, being successful in your career is demanding. It is, it is challenging. It's intoxicating. It's exciting. It's scary, but it's most of all, it's demanding. And we often find ourselves sucked into what we do. And that's especially true, I think, if you're good at what you do. And, you know, my mother used to always tell me, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life, which I thought, my gosh, I love what I do. I am so lucky. I love what I do. And the problem there is if you love what you do and you're good at it, you do it a lot because you can. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I remember when there was a period of time when, in all honesty, all I thought about was winning at work and building the agency. And I am lucky enough to be married. My husband and I have been married for 31 years. Uh, he is the most fantastic and patient guy in the world. My two children are now in their mid-20s. My daughter is a um, she is second-year law student at Penn State, and my son, Jackson, is a third year at the Naval Academy in Annapolis. And you know, they are the most precious things in the world to me. But there was a time when you, you wouldn't have known that because all I did was work seven days a week. And you can't do that. That is not a sustainable path in life. And the other parts of your life will suffer if you only focus on your work. So you have to think about a way to live a balanced and full life. And for me, the time came when my husband and I kind of looked at me and looked at each other and we said, we haven't gone on a vacation in years. This was right about the time our kids were teenage, early teens. We have gone on a vacation in years together. We need to do that. And if you've ever tried to plan a vacation with somebody you love, it's often a negotiation. And uh, in a moment of insanity, I agreed to get on the back of my husband's motorcycle and take a 10 day trip. And I remember thinking, this is going to be miserable. This is not going to be fun at all. It's going to be uncomfortable. The view isn't going to be very good for the back of the bike. And I don't even get to be, I don't even get to drive. You know, I've got to sit on the back and just hold on. But I will tell you, I got on the back of this bike and I never looked back. I was absolutely hooked on motorcycling. It was so fantastic. And that 10 days, I will tell you, changed my life because I began to realize that there was joy in the journey. And I never did anything that was fun like that. I was always so focused on work. And I came back from that trip and my husband looked at me and he said, you know what, you were meant to ride. You need to learn to ride your own bike. And I said, me drive a motorcycle? I just, I, I hadn't even thought about it. I just thought it was gonna be really great to ride on the back of his bike all the rest of our lives. But I learned to ride a motorcycle, and that's where I learned the concept of looking through the turn, which is the idea of as you approach a turn in the road, um, you have to keep your eyes focused on where you want to end up. You can't stare straight into the turn, and the turn is where all the hazards are, whether it's 
gravel or potholes or oil slicks or whatever it is, and and not to mention the trajectory of the turn itself. And so the trick is that you look into the turn to anticipate what the challenges are that you're going to face. And then you use your instincts and your experience to make the adjustments and you remain nimble as you're going through the turn. But you keep your eyes focused on where you want to end up. And that's called looking through the turn. I remember when I learned that when I was taking the motorcycle safety course and I thought to myself, this is the greatest metaphor for business and life I've ever heard. Look through the turn. And I thought, how do I be somebody who looks and leads and lives through the turn of life? Not staring straight into all the potential hazards and freaking out about it, but really living life to the full, but keeping my eyes focused on where I want to end up. And it really changed my perspective about how to live and lead and how to balance my life and do more for my life beyond my work. So I always credit motorcycling as what kind of got me back into the journey of life and finding joy in the journey. Wow, what a poignant metaphor for exactly where a lot of our listeners are right now who are students who are looking to graduate and become emerging PR professionals. Um, that's that's really insightful. Uh, tell me more about this journey mindset. You, had, you mentioned it earlier a couple of times. Um, share more about that. Well, so it's a, it is a great, I agree with you. It's a great metaphor. It, it, when it hit me, it was like one of those kind of V8 moments, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even remember the rest of the, the course that Friday night when I was taking, taking the safety course. But I, I really began to think a lot about this idea that we, that life is a journey, which we've often heard about that. But to be honest with you, I was never interested in the journey. I was always focused on the destination. I don't know if you've ever heard the phrase about um, making the journey matter. Make the journey matter as much as the destination. And I always heard that and I thought, yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, I have a goal. I want to accomplish my goals. I'm going to stay focused on my goals and do whatever it takes to get there. So for me, it was always about the destination. And the problem with that, again, is that you work so hard, you, you put everything aside, and you focus just on getting to the destination, whatever it is, which is, okay, I want, I want to be promoted, or I want to make a certain amount of money, or I'm going to get a graduate degree, or I'm going to, you know, whatever it is, you set these destinations out for yourself, then very often, we get to those destinations, and we're like, hooray, this is great, but now I need to set the next one, I need to go, 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 and you just keep putting more destinations out in front of you. And I will say that being a very destination-oriented person, being very driven, will really help you be successful in your career. Absolutely, it would. It was very much that way for me. But you cannot only focus on the destination. You have to have a journey mindset. That's what I call it. I, I learned to be a destination leader with a journey mindset because in all honesty, I'm not going to change being a destination leader. I'm, I, this is just how God made me. I'm going to be very goal-oriented all my life. I'm going to be very driven to achieve goals, and that's a good thing. But you have to learn how to embrace the journey of life. And so a journey mindset, to your question, what does it mean to be a destination leader with the journey mindset? Well, it means a lot of things. I mean, first off, it means that you have to be 
willing to explore life. You've got to be, you have to have the courage to venture out and go places you've not ever gone before and take on jobs, you know, step into leadership in ways you don't think you're quite ready for, but you say, hey, you know what? I am smart and I will figure it out as I go. And nobody knows everything they need to know when they first take on a job, but you have to be willing to be an explorer. You've got to be present. That's something I'm really studying a lot here lately is the experience of mindfulness. I'm, I'm, in fact, I'm doing a lot of study right now in neuroscience and the intersection of neuroscience and leadership. And there's a lot of research that shows that learning to be more mindful and to be more present in the moment, not only does it help you enjoy your journey, but it actually teaches you to be able to manage your emotions better and to be much more focused on your the, the task at hand. So I, I think we will continue to see much more um, uh much more discussion and conversation around mindfulness in the workplace. And I I think it's terrific. Um, A a journey-minded leader is somebody who is very open-minded. They consider other people's perspectives. They're not judgmental. They're a good listener. Um, They're definitely somebody who's willing to take some risk. You know, starting my own agency and I actually started a second company um, after that too. Being an entrepreneur is very risky, but you have to be willing to place some bets in life if you want to win and believe that there is value in the try. Even if you don't always achieve your goals, you want to be courageous when you live your life. You don't want to look back and feel like, oh gosh, you know, I was, I was too afraid. I was afraid I was going to fail or I, I was too afraid to take a chance on, on an opportunity because I wasn't sure what was going to happen. You live, you tolerate uncertainty, you live in uncertainty and you manage through that. Um, and know, again, know that you will figure it out as you go. Um, there's so many other things, you know, maybe the one other quality I would add is just this idea of, I truly believe that a journey minded leader is somebody who enjoys the ride. And for people who follow me on social media, they will often say they notice I do a hashtag enjoy the ride, which I do quite often because it is, uh, as more a reminder to myself than it is to anybody else, which is. You have to make time for family, for friends, for yourself, to pursue personal interests and hobbies. You know, life was meant to be savored and experienced, not accomplished. You you were going to have lots of accomplishments in life, but that is not the end be end all be all of life. Life is meant to be savored and experienced, and you have to enjoy the ride of your life as you go. Wow, what a great perspective. I love it. Um, this is such good advice. Uh, tell me, what else would you give, uh, what other advice would you give to our student listeners who, you know, are still preparing for their career or maybe even just starting out in PR? Well, that's a good question. Um, gosh, so much. You know, there's, uh, I, I think the first thing I would say as you're starting your career is to be curious. This is a great quality. I've often had people ask me, well, how did you, what qualities did you use to hire people? And, you know, what's the most important thing for a, a, a person when they're approaching an interview situation to get a job? And there's there's a lot of good qualities that you need. I think being curious is absolutely on, on the list, and partly because I want to know that you are interested in the world, that you are interested in other people, that you want to know more about life. It de- curiosity demonstrates that you are a learner and that you 
want to be a learning leader as you go through your life and you don't know it all. You never will. Nobody does, but you always are willing to find out. And part of that too is I want to find out what other people think, not just what I think, but what about people who live in different parts of the world? What about the person who's sitting in the cubicle next to me who has had a different life set of life experiences that they bring to the workplace? What can I learn from them? by listening and talking to them and considering their points of view. There, there is not enough of that in the world today, especially as you see our current um, political and social situation. It just seems as though people are less interested in hearing about diverse points of view than they are more interested. But you know, my view is you always can learn something from other people, especially if they do hold a different point of view. And in in our industry, that is absolutely crucial. Um, I think probably the other piece of advice I would give is that people need to be very nimble about uh, the job opportunities that they come upon. It may not be the exact job you thought you're going to get. Like, for example, I didn't want to be a publications editor. I wanted to work in client service, but I wasn't going to get a job in client service when I came out of college. I had absolutely no experience. So I took the job I could get in our field, and I worked my way up. And those two years, as I said earlier, were hugely valuable to me. And so be nimble with the opportunities that come your way and be willing to do whatever you need to do to get some experience. As long as it's in the field or in a related field, you know, go for it and figure it out as you go um, of what you can take from any job that you're in. One other piece of advice I would give, especially now, if I were a, a student coming out in the field now, I would want to be reminded that I need to be willing to embrace disruption. And, you know, I guess I should laugh and say that's probably more a lesson for people who've been out a while than it is for students because students, I think, are, especially this generation coming out, is used to things being very different in the world today. But in all fairness for all of us, the pace of change and the disruption that's happening in the, not just in PR, but in the broader marketing communications industry is really... um, the pace is really fast and it's much faster than it's ever been before. And so a lot of professionals who are very experienced people that are brand new in the field, everybody is sort of scratching their heads trying to figure out how do we manage through the disruption that we are facing in our industry and how do we lead through that disruption? How do we find opportunity in that disruption? Find a niche, find a skill, find an insight that would take us someplace that we want to to end up building our careers. And only those who are willing to embrace disruption are going to be successful through this next period of time. That's awesome. I love that you talked about being curious and nimble um, and especially being willing, willing to embrace disruption. Um, those are all, I feel like you're speaking directly to me right now, Elise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking directly to myself too. So, you know, it's good advice for all of us. How about that? Yes. Um, okay. So tell me, how about the young women listening in? Um, as you know, we talked about we're an industry largely made up of women. Um, what can you say specifically to the ladies who are looking to become leaders in PR? Well, it's funny. Um, I am often asked the question, well, how does it feel to be a female leader? And I, every time I'm asked that question, I always sort of laugh and I think, well, I don't know. That's like me asking a guy, you know, well, how does it feel to be a male leader? Because, you know, in all honesty, I don't think of myself as a 
female leader. I just think of myself as the leader. And so, and partly why I share that, that story with you is because I want women who are coming out into the field now to see themselves as leaders. They're not female leaders. There's nothing special or different about them. They are who they are and they need to embrace this idea that they belong. And so I don't want women, I want women to not, to, I don't want women to buy into the idea that they can't be at the top because you can, you can be an entrepreneur, you can be a CEO, you can run the world's largest, the corp com department of the world's largest company. If you want to be, you want to do that. All of that is absolutely within your reach. And so totally embrace that and see yourself at the top and see yourself doing all those things and know that you can just, you have the best chance that anybody else has around you. In my view, I always thought to myself, I just want to be the smartest person in the room. I want to be the hardest working person in the room. I want to win this account or win this business or win this job because I'm the best candidate. It shouldn't matter what my gender is or what the color of my skin is or where I'm from or, you know, all the, I just need to be the best candidate that I can be. And so if you keep that in your mind, it really becomes a driving force for you that pushes you out from the pack. And so I would, I would remind ladies today to think about them, see themselves at the top, know that you can and assume you're going to get there and do everything within your power to do that. And have that clear, having that clear vision, I think is very important because then you see it as your reality and all that you need to do is go and claim that reality. And I think that mindset is really valuable, especially for women. Um, although I think it will be much easier for women coming out of school now than it was for me and for my generation, because there were very few women who were at the top. There were virtually no women entrepreneurs when I started my company. But um, another piece of advice I do want to share about coming, women coming into the industry and be, seeing themselves as a leader is I want you to remember this too. Um, there is a time for everything in your life, a season for everything. I often tell people you, you can have it all, but not all at the same time. That's another piece of advice I learned because you have to pace yourself. I was so impatient. I wanted everything right now. And again, that's not bad to drive yourself that way, but you have to pace yourself throughout your career because in the end, you really want to have had a sustainable career. And there are times in your life when you're going to lean into work because it needs you. You have this awesome project. You have this huge opportunity for a job, whatever. You're going to lean into your work because it requires you to do that for a period of time. You're also going to lean into your personal life at different times. Your family needs you or you have a health issue or there, there are all kinds of reasons people kind of pull away from work for a period of time because they they their personal life needs them to do that. But in each of those cases, you do it for a period of time and then you come back more towards center where you are continuing on the path that you've set for yourself. The, uh, this is often true if you get married, if you decide to have children, um, you know, those things demand you to change your focus in life. As I described earlier, there was a time when all I thought about it was winning at work and my family was really suffering because of it and my own personal health was, and that's not sustainable. So the goal is to have a sustainable career, a rewarding career that makes you a complete and whole person, but it, but you don't have to sacrifice having a, a family, having to be married, to enjoy the hobbies and the 
the personal interests that you have, that is all a part of the journey. That's to me, that is enjoy the ride. That's living a rich and full life. So pace yourself as you go and know that you can be at the top and see yourself there. Wow. That's really great advice. Thank you so much. And thank you for paving the way for all of the future women leaders or just leaders in general. Um, all right. I'm going to switch lanes one more time here and talk about how you are accredited in public relations. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd love to know how this has helped you in your career and, um, know about any advice you'd have for those interested in pursuing their APR? Well, I, I, I completely remember preparing for the APR exam. And, you know, again, I'm a learning leader. I'm a lifelong learner. It has always served my well to be a learner and to want to learn more, whether it's about your profession or it's about your um, the place where you're working or your clients or yourself or the world. You want to be a learner. So to me, getting an APR is a very natural thing that you're going to do. You expect to do that. I would expect people to do that if they are in PRSA. They should absolutely pursue their APR because it tells me this is a person who wants to stretch. They want to think more deeply about the profession. They care about their credentials. They care about setting themselves apart from their peers. And, and I was really pleased that I got my APR. You know, it's funny because I, that also encouraged me and inspired me that I knew someday I wanted to apply to the College of Fellows for PRSA. And I remember looking at everybody that was in the College of Fellows at the time, and I thought, well, they'll never accept me. It's kind of that same idea, you know, I wouldn't be at a club that would actually accept somebody like me. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I could even ever get in. But I set my sights on that, and that someday when I was eligible, you have to work a certain number of years to do it, um, that I wanted to apply. And I remember applying to the College of Fellows, and I ended up being the youngest person that was ever admitted to the college. And I was thrilled. I was shocked that I got in. I was thrilled. But I knew that that was important to me to apply and try for those types of things. I also ended up getting my master's degree but again, the idea being that I wanted to learn. I knew that there was more I could do and that I could be better than I was. So I would absolutely encourage people, just put APR on your list to say, when, I'm, when I qualify, when, it's, when I'm eligible, I'm absolutely going to get this. That just becomes the first thing that I will get as I pursue my career. But there will be other things beyond that that I will try to get as well. Awesome. Um, I'll have to remember to reach out to you when I'm ready to. <laughs> okay. Um, good. So PRSSA has changed my life in so many like ways I couldn't even describe to you. Um, of course, I've been able to broaden my network and enhance my education. Um, I'd love to know what you think about why our listeners should join PRSSA or even PRSA. Well, uh, I'm a big fan of PRSA as well as PRSSA. I wasn't in PRSSA because they didn't have a chapter where I was. They do now. Uh, my alma mater, as I said earlier, was Abilene Christian University. They have a great chapter. But they did at the time. But I did join PRSA as soon as I could when I got out. And I have been a member, I think, since I was 10 years old, you know, or something like that. I've been a 
blog type member of PRSA because you're right. It is, it's not just life changing. It will become for you once you are out, it will become career changing because you have the opportunity to learn you. The professional development is so important. Your local chapter, the chapter programming, the sections, the conferences, there's just so much to learn. And to me, it was also this idea of, I want to stay current. You know, I don't, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to need to get the next job or to get the next promotion. I've got to invest in myself to be able to stay current of what is happening in our profession and to learn things that I wasn't exposed to in whatever job I was in at the time. You know, how do I learn more about different parts of the field or the industry that I might want to go into. And so professional development and learning is really important. But the other part that's almost as equally valuable is the networking, you know, the meeting of people. I cannot tell you how many friends I have today that I, I would consider lifelong friends because I met them through PRSA. And, you know, we may live in different parts of the world, literally now, but we are still connected because of the bond we share through PRSA. And that network, I went, you know, back to when I was building the agency, I tell this story in the book about the first couple of years of my agency's growth, because we were in a small market, I had to build a virtual team of talent because there wasn't anybody that lived in my market. Guess how I did it? I went through my contact list and I started reaching out to all of my PRSA friends who were in different markets and some of whom I knew either were freelancing or had just gone out on their own or were um, available to, to work with me. And I hired them. And that was how I built my company in the first couple of years because I had already put in place a strong network of contacts through PRSA. You know, the other thing I would say about that is the opportunity to learn how to lead. You remember how I said earlier, a lot of people sort of fall into leadership and they have no clue how to be a leader. Well, you can learn to lead through volunteering and PRSA and PRSSA while you're still in school. Both of those organizations give you the opportunity to learn to be a leader. And I ended up being chapter president of two different chapters. In fact, I, I founded the chapter here in Northwest Arkansas because we didn't have a chapter. And all of those experiences gave me a huge amount of practical experience in learning to lead other people, many of whom were far more experienced than I was. And that's priceless because you can take those lessons and those skills and apply them into your job. And I think, frankly, makes you far more attractive to be hired or to be promoted because you can demonstrate real world experience in leadership. So I'm, I'm a big fan of PRSA. They haven't kicked me out yet, even though I'm, I always worry that that day will come. They'll say, sorry, your time is up. You're out. But I love it. And uh, I highly encourage PRSSA students to transfer that membership into PRSA as soon as they get out in the working world. So I'm going to count on seeing you at a conference or something where now that you have a big job, you're going to be able to tell me, hey, I'm in PRSA, I'm in my local chapter, and I'm the journey continues for me. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Um, professional development, uh, programming, conferences, those are all the reasons why I keep coming back. So, um, man, this has been really great insight. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. Oh, Elise, well, um, thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank you. It's been wonderful having you here uh, for this special forum edition of Podcast with the Pros. Um, is there anything else that you want to add or share with our listeners? 
Uh, best of luck to everybody listening out there in, in, in pursuing your career. Uh, go and make it happen. You can do it. So uh, see yourself where you want to be and, and go make it happen. Wonderful. If you're interested in learning more about Elise, you can head to her website at elisemitchell.com. And for more of these segments, head on over to Progressions. <laughs>